while women who write take flight. As women who write, we recognize the importance of supporting one another because together we are stronger. Our goal is to provide this support through discussions about developing character, setting, plot, and dialogue. We will include interviews, panel discussions, and informal chats. Our team of Wild Women includes Gabby Anderson, author of South of Happily, a novel that started as a love letter to a lost parent and turned into a story about staying sane when life tries to shove us to the business end of a meat grinder. She is currently writing the second book in this series, North of Happily. Kim Connery, author of the sci-fi romance Stealing Aries and the memoir, You're Not a Murderer, You Just Have OCD. She also writes a blog to bring awareness to OCD at harmocdkimconnery.com. April Dilbeck, author of A Sacred Thing, a detective story about the theft of an African shaman's mask that leads the readers from the Congo to the elite world of New York art dealers and collectors. Elizabeth Jones, author of literary fiction and our resident MFA in creative writing. And Kathy Nichols, author of The Sometimes Sister, a psychological thriller that explores the bonds of sisterhood and life after loss. Our flight is organic and our journey is ongoing. We invite you to join us along the way. The Wild Women are happy to welcome Susan Sands to our group today. We're going to learn how she seeks representation and how she juggles a very busy writing schedule. And I'm going to let Kim introduce her. Welcome, Susan. Let's tell our audience a little bit about you. A self-described late bloomer, Susan Sands began writing her first novel at age 40. She compares her challenging journey to publication as raising another child, a difficult one. Susan has published five Southern contemporary women's fiction novels, with another four coming in 2023. She describes her humorous small-town stories as fun, romantic, and filled with big family love. Susan also writes authentic, place-as-a-character Southern fiction with a humorous voice in addition to her Alabama series. Susan has three grown children and lives with her dentist husband in Roswell, Georgia. She has a degree in elementary education, is a member of the Georgia Romance Writers, the Romance Writers of America, the Atlanta Writers Club, Women's Fiction Writers of America, WFWA, and the Broadleaf Writers Association. She participates in book festivals, book clubs, and writers conferences around the South. She is busy. Susan is the recipient of the 2017 Georgia Author of the Year Award for Romance. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So let's find out some more here. And what I admire most about you, Susan, um, and what I've learned from you the most is your ability to advocate for yourself in this industry. In fact, when I assert myself in the writing world, I've begun to say that I Susan sends that email or meeting. <laughs> and what this means is that I kindly, nicely became my own best advocate. Writers get so used to rejection, taking critique with a thank you and more please attitude that we can forget that there are times to be assertive within this industry. Could you speak to that? Yes. I actually signed with my first agent way back at a writer's, well, right after a writer's conference. That was a first novel writer's conference in California. And 
there just happened to be an agent there who was taking pitches and helping us hone our pitches and that kind of thing. And she said, you know, I really want to see that when you're done with it. And she was actually the person I signed with when I was done with that particular first novel. And the one, the novel that I've got coming out starting in uh, May is actually that book. That very first under the bed book. So yeah, so advocating for myself has been a long and drawn out process. I've gone through a few agents, editors, publishers. I've got two publishers now. You can't be meek and you can't be mild. You have to you have to say what you have to offer and you have to push forward sometimes when you get the silent treatment. Yeah, we, we do get a lot of radio silence. You mm-hmm. Query letters, to, we get a, a full manuscript request and, and months and months go by and and that's not at all unusual but sometimes we're afraid you know to send an email and give them a little nudge or, or whatever and, and I think we we forget our worth and our value sometimes and you remind us of that you know that it's okay to value your work and to value your worth as a writer and what you have to say in the world and to give a little nudge sometimes and say, hey, you know. See, I feel like the industry professionals, the agents and editors, publishing houses, they're so busy. They're just slammed. They have thousands of emails that they're trying to get through, and if they don't keep up with it, they get way behind for whatever reason. I feel like they are appreciative, as long as you're not too obnoxious about it, to a little, oh, hey, remember me? I sent this to you three months ago. Um, have you come up with a, an answer for me? Or I even ask for suggestions. If somebody doesn't like something for some reason, or if it's an almost, and I can tell it's an almost by the email I get, I'll say, you know, in a couple sentences, you know, can you tell me what would have gotten this closer to a yes for you? And often you get a good response from that because they've spent time and they put in the the effort of reading the entire manuscript. They have thoughts on it. They have, you know, they don't want to go into a big, long, drawn out detail, but they don't mind telling you. You know, if you ask for a brief explanation. Yeah, and at the same time, you're honoring their opinion and the time that they've put into it as well. And, of course, you always thank them for their time and consideration of your work. But there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, so, you know, can you you give me a little bit more or not <laughs> sometimes not sometimes they don't answer that but it's it's okay to ask right. and, and we forget sometimes i think that it's okay to ask right. i mean sometimes it, i can it, say it no can't hurt you. You. right it can't it hurt can't you hurt. if you do it right nobody's gonna like remember that obnoxious girl who asked for your opinion on their novel that you just read is that one of the reasons that you write prolifically it's better to get on with your work than to sit and wait for answers. I, have, I found that to right. be true. I have a problem with waiting. <laughs> Clearly, I have a problem with waiting. But, you know, I respect people's time, and you would like for people to respect your time. But that doesn't always happen because everybody's so slammed and busy in this world. But as far as being prolific, I was not especially prolific until I was forced to be prolific. This is my first like three book contract and then I slid another one uh, from a different publisher right in between there. So I wrote four books back to back to back to back. Well, I'm on the working on the fourth one right now for 2022. I loved what you said about uh, a book being like raising another child. And, and I thought the, the idea that your book is like your baby, but it's also your business. Yeah. And I think that's where 
that right. hesitancy sometimes right. to push comes in. It's like sure. you, you, you don't want to risk any insults to your baby, but you just put the business hat on and, and go with it. Right. The starts and stops in writing and the work and time that everybody puts into it, you know, and then to be rejected and then changing and you're rejected again. And it happens to everybody. I don't know a single writer, author that, you know, up to New York Times bestselling authors and selling many, many, many copies who is happy with where they are in their career. Everybody wants the next thing, the next step up, the next list, the next agent, the next bigger publisher, more, more, more. And so you're dealing with a lot of people who want more, more, more. And, and then there's only so many industry professionals to sort of manage all of that coming at you. But yeah, a difficult child is probably a good way to describe getting through the start to finish to submission and hopefully eventually publication. The ups and downs, you know how kids are. Yes, <laughs> There's yes. always ups Tearing and downs. your hair out and then yes. you're just filled Absolutely. with joy. I love this quote uh, I read on your website from Kristen Higgins. Uh, she's a New York Times bestselling author. And she said your work was full of Southern charm, warmth, and humor. Love Alabama is as sweet and satisfying as homemade pie. And this comment makes me smile because, yes, you are capable of this incredible version of Southern charm that you put your own special flavor, flair. Uh, you're also very, you could be assertive. And I love the fact that this is something that women often have trouble with because we don't negotiate the same way men do. And right. sometimes charm is uh, seen almost like weak. You know, it's a right. sub subtext. Right. There. It's like bringing somebody a casserole. And saying, bless your heart, the same right, time. Right, exactly. You know, you're, you're doing your sweet southern thing, but then you're also going, oh, honey, we need to do something about this. You know? <laughs> I, I need something in yeah. return for my casserole. Right, Thank right. You. Bless your heart. Yes. I also, we're, we're talking about, we just said it, the southern charm. Do you think that southern charm is necessarily, we never say northern charm, and I know some very charming northerners. Oh, I, I married too. one. And we have one in our group, April. And I'm an outlier. <laughs> but it's just so interesting to me that we seem to have this viewpoint, and I believe we talked about this a little mm -hmm. bit, that it's it's both a compliment and occasionally it can be a bit of a challenge. Right. I mean, the most most negative thing you can say to, to someone in the South is, wow, she's really pushy around being a woman. You're not allowed to, like I said, you need to do the advocating for yourself. And, and if you do, you're seen differently as a man would necessarily be con considered. But it's a good thing there's a lot of women in publishing, a lot of women editors, a lot of women agents who you can, you know how to navigate that mm -hmm. relationship. And I would think they would be less likely to stereotype another woman. Not you would hope so. unlikely, but less likely <laughs> yes, to. So, so, Kim, you're you've been uh, taking a close look at the Christmas novel. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I was wondering about Noel, Alabama, and well, you have a couple of Christmas books. Is um, I think readers and writers alike would be curious about how a writer gets into the Christmas spirit when it isn't. Anywhere near Christmas time. <laughs> I tell you, I wrote Noel, Alabama in, in the middle of July. And it was hot, hot, hot during that time. And it was a little bit challenging. I think mostly I, I have put on Christmas music before. <laughs> deck the hall, not actually deck the halls, but you know, filled, filled the halls with music and tried to sort of mentally put myself there. Uh, I know sometimes the Hallmark Channel starts really early, or one mm -hmm. of them does Christmas. And they do a Christmas in July. That's what I was thinking yes. they did. Yes. So that's helpful. That's very Perfect. thoughtful of them. Right. As wild women who write, basically, one, well, our, our mission 
or our vision, I suppose, was that it would be women writers supporting other women writers, which you would think would be a natural outcome of being a woman and trying to succeed in a difficult career. Well, it's also a very competitive career as well. And what's wonderful is when you can actually find those women who are supportive and who don't think that if you get something, you're taking something from them or their opportunities away because there's room for everybody in publishing, in bookstores. There are a lot of books and people need new content all the time. So there's nothing bad that can happen in my mind when you support and promote and cross-promote other authors' work. I, th I think that's true. When you were talking about all your, all your different novels and the one you started at 40 is just now coming out, I, I was smiling to myself because I think I finally put pen to paper on the one I'm working on now And when I was 40, mm -hmm. and but becoming part of a, a group that encourages and critiques and supports has really helped me pick up the pace with it because I finally see it as something right. important, you know, not just my own private thing. What about you have so many that you write back to back? Do, have you found that uh, a support group has been instrumental for you or are you able to just work independently or what has that been like for I you? I started way back um, when, I, when I did start. I had my sister-in-law was she was writing some historical romance and I was kind of editing helping her edit I decided it was time for me to start on my own and I had this story in my head and I'd had this story in my head for a long time so when I wrote that first book the one that sat under the bed for a while or in the drawer for a while for many years actually I didn't obviously know what I was doing and I the way I learned to write initially was online. I looked at everything I could look at online. I bought all the craft books that people recommended. Um, I went to uh, my first Romance Writers of America, like Georgia Romance Writers meeting. Karen White actually picked me up and drove me there. I didn't, you had never met her before, but she's still a good friend of mine. But that, like you said, the encouragement from other writers being in a group like that, and they had a very good craft like lots of craft classes, different journeys to, to publication, all within this group. So there were so many stories. It gave you hope. thought, well, I, I can do this. I can do this. I just have to learn a little more and get a little better at this. And, but the, the novel conference I went to initially way back was called From the Heart That's Smart. So, you know, you write the book of your heart, but if you don't write it for publication and you don't use all of the tools and the craft rules and everything when you're starting out to learn how to craft a novel you're not going to go anywhere but it's going to sit under that bed and that first agent of she did submit that book but it was nowhere near ready and I found out later why but why it got submitted but um we have starts and stops and we have things that don't work out and you have to end up with the skin of an elephant in this industry like there's no other way to move forward you would just be crushed all the time I think that's the shift from baby to business that is kind of hard to right. do. I do think, and I think a support group really helps with that. Right. I was talking to, I was promoting a, our podcast to a group of women, and I said that one of the things that I had been so uh, surprised and pleased with is how generous mm -hmm. other women authors mm -hmm. have been, certainly yourself included. Yes. And you know that we have, we have a very, let's just say modest setup, and we're just, people have just come and been so nice to come and and never even said, oh, oh, I don't know how to work you in, or, you know, just lovely. And I, th I want to believe, and I'm going to believe, that that is the kind of spirit that a lot of women writers have. Because like you said, there's competition, but we're not really competing against each right. other. We're not. We're not. But there is a there is a contingency out there that really does 
compete with one another and isn't, you know, they're more worried about their own. Everybody's worried about their own, but trying to get ahead and trying to publish more and do better. And, um, and that's fine. As long as you don't step on anybody to do it or not be genuine. Right. I think that's, that goes a long way in establishing a reputation. We're lucky in Georgia because there are lots of best-selling authors that are very kind and very gracious, and they do offer to give you a shout-out on social media when your book comes out and that kind of thing, and it's been nice getting to know other people who are trying to do the same thing I'm doing. You had mentioned something, and let me see if I can get my mind back to it, about support, and that's something I think that women have always had going for them, whatever it is, whether it's motherhood or writing, and the jealousy that I was told I would encounter when I first started writing, freelance writing, I never found, and I think what goes around comes around. If someone gives you a hand up, remember that, Mm -hmm. and when it's your turn, give it, because people never forget kindness. They don't. Or the opposite, either. I've not thought about things that I've even kind of unintentionally done for people, and people have emailed me over the years, and I'll, you know, give them my best effort when I respond to try to help and whatever they're working on. And, you know, and, and years later, I'll, I'll get an email saying, you know, what you said to me was so helpful and so encouraging, and I, I just, I'll never forget it. And I'll go, wait. Did I forget it? <laughs> but you do. You, you you do things. Hopefully, everybody does things like that, that you can help other people. That, that leads to my second question, too. Um, we were talking about stepping on one of those toes, and you said something earlier about writing from the heart. We're all different, and we all have different stories. And instead of writing just for ourselves, although part of it is true, we are writing for ourselves, drawing on our story. And lots of times I've heard people say, oh, no one's interested in in what I have to say or what I have to write. And when I started freelancing and I approached some people, that's the reaction I got. No one wants to hear about what I have to say. But as soon as they start talking about what they love, what they're doing, their passion, the story almost writes itself because it's coming from in here, not just here. It doesn't necessarily have to be an experience you've personally had, but it can be more of a universal um, concept or idea or something you love, something you want to promote, your hopes, your dreams. Um, And people can relate to that for sure. But it's an age-old thing. Tell me a story. April was talking about universal themes, and I noticed a, a thread that runs through the Alabama series, and it's this theme of being better off once we deal with the past and, and perhaps not dealing with the past, keeping us from love even. Do you think that this theme works because deep down people would like to find the courage to deal with their own past or... Do you think that people maybe enjoy peering into someone else's world and saying, at least my life isn't the train wreck (laughs) the Roe family has going, um, when it might be all that and worse? I think universally human beings are curious about other people and what their life looks like and what they're thinking and you know I love just as an example I love when people put pictures of their holidays on Facebook I go through them I I love looking into that private setting even though it's public it feels like I know them better you know and the same thing with your characters you know you come up with these fantastic stories Um, and sometimes when I say fantastic I mean just kind of out there 
I call them my tobacco spitters and junior leaders. <laughs> and that's not my main characters, but that's part of the color and the culture and the surrounding and the small town. You've always got these colorful characters from every age. You've got the tiny tot who does something kind of goofy and funny, and then you've got the, the old guy who spits tobacco juice next to your hero's foot as a as a little little warning, you know, next one's coming at you. So I think that just that small town, that's where I grew up. And that community, it's a sense of community. It's a sense of, you know, a little bit of bless your heart. You know, too, there's all kinds of things. But I do think people enjoy looking into the lives of other people through story. And like I said, I like to look at people's pictures <laughs> that I don't even know. I was thinking that when we talk about the people wanting to know about other people's past, I sometimes think that authors are dealing with their own past, even if it doesn't sound that way in their writing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like they're working it out. Yeah, and, and, you, and you're organizing it a little bit. You're getting some perspective to it. And someone else could read it and not see in any way how that was related to your past. But when you look at it, you realize, and maybe you didn't know it when you were writing it. Now yours is pretty clear because you're drawing on this rich background of crazy people yeah. and fun people. And yeah. So uh, I think that's a really interesting thing. I would think we'd learn so much about the author and ourselves, how we relate to it. Right. Because we all have our own experiences and like you said, unfinished business. And maybe, you know, when you read something that strikes a chord, you know, you identify with those characters and those emotions and those happenings, those events throughout um, someone's life. And writers, are, I think, are notorious for watching people and creating right. background stories on them. And it's not any kind of judgmental thing. It's just, although I suppose occasionally we typecast people. But, you know, I totally right. judge. You yeah. judge. I'm totally judging when I'm watching. <laughs> you, you, know me right now, yes. you know what's funny is my, my second Alabama book. I'm not going to say any names. But uh, I met a girl at a conference one time. And she was gorgeous and tall and blonde and beautiful. And she, I asked her what she did. You know, she said, I'm a pageant coach. <laughs> I went, huh. Okay, so I need a pageant coach. And so in my second book... I kind of related, I thought about that beautiful, tall, blonde girl and thought that could be my a character to identify with. But you know, every small town needs a pageant coach, right? <laughs> but everything, you know, I like to do mystery and suspense, but also have those fun things too. It sounds like you'd have a perfect body of work that would be perfect for like a, a series, uh, a television. I'm like, people are always saying, "Oh, wouldn't you love to have your book be a movie?" Well, duh. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but I, you know, I can really see how many uh, uh, episodes I could plot your episodes right, out and think, right. "Oh, how fun!" I might call you. Um, <laughs> sure. Now, but my publisher, who's who's done the Alabama series and who will be doing my upcoming Louisiana series, they have a uh, film department mm -hmm. at their publishing house. So they're constantly pitching. They're constantly looking for producers. And, you know, you could get a call tomorrow because you don't know who's requested what and what all that. Because they don't try to, you know, they don't want to get your hopes up too high until you've got something signed, some sort of an option or a reading. It's always fun to imagine that. And I think that's every author's secret dream to have their book go to film or, or on the screen. And, and people mm -hmm. will say, who do you imagine for that character? And I'm like, they can do anybody they want to for that character. Yeah. <laughs> they made a movie yeah, out of my book. <laughs> I am not going to be on the screen. You know, a lot of people have an option, but there's a lot that has to happen before you can go from an option to having the money and the producer mm -hmm. and the plan of action to actually produce those movies. Mm -hmm. You always hope. You always think maybe. Yeah, it maybe. happens to some people. <laughs> so. 
I know Gabby had a question that's been on all of our minds because it's kind of whirling and overwhelming. Right. The first time that we met, which you came to, um, you sat in at our critique group right. a couple months ago, and right. you said, oh, I've got four or five or six books coming out yeah. next year. And I remember thinking, how do you keep all that straight? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been challenging. And what I, what happened was I, I put out a book in 2017 and another one in 2020. And in those couple years, I wrote two women's fiction novels, which were a little bit bigger books, I guess you could say, not in any derogatory way, but just this, they're longer and they're more standalone. involved and definitely standalone. But yeah, sometimes you take that break and then everything happens at once. They wanted three books. They wanted to put them out really quickly, real close together. And then I actually had submitted something to a publisher and gotten the green light on that. So I really had to be careful with my time and make sure and be, be a lot more committed to it than I'd ever been before. So I'd never, I'd never had that kind of opportunity. And I've also never had that kind of deadline. It, it is overwhelming, but you seem to handle it. You're handling it. It, it. So it looks easy from the outside, but we know it isn't. Right. Well, you need to tell us about some of the books that are coming out. Yes, please. Okay. Well, my Alabama series, every character, every main character, every heroine, every hero, they all have their own very unique journey. And one of them is a sous chef for a, a national television televised a cooking show, and mm -hmm. she's had an unfortunate Crip Suzette hair fire <laughs> that has sent her home in shame. So that's like the, the opening log line with that one. And then the second one is the pageant coach who never went to the Miss America pageant because she had a mystery. Nobody Ooh. knows why. And so you go into that. And then the third one was about the town therapist. Oh. And, you know, therapy has caught on in Ministry, Alabama. <laughs> so all the women go to this new therapist, and they say, you know, I went to therapy. And uh, so they, they just, it, it's just a thing. It's kind of like a nail or hair appointment. But they all talk about the same guy, this hunky bachelor who they've known since seventh grade, who everybody's gone out with at least once or twice because he doesn't tell anybody no, but he also has a two-day maximum because he's just so busy, and he can't deal with all that. But so he has to learn that he thought he was a great guy. And she has to say, you know, I've all these women who say different or that, that have been hurt by you. And so it works out that he learns more about himself than she. That's cool. Calls for That's him. a great concept. Mm -hmm. But then, so all of the Alabama books kind of have that little small town southern something going on the pageant coach or the, the chef who's come home in shame and. All those things. But now my Louisiana books, that's going to be my um, upcoming series starting in May, at the end of May. Those books are a little moodier. They're a little more, you know, maw-straight, southern oh, Louisiana. Okay. You know, you think mm -hmm. in all the food and the culture. And, and they're, so they're just a little bit of a different tone. They're not quite as snarky and there's no sex in them they're they're just there's mystery they're on one of them there's really a lot of suspense on one of them are the same do your characters uh appear cross appear they do. each other that's always fun to me yeah. it's like yeah. oh i know her yeah you'll yeah. remember like when you read one you'll i'm setting the whole town up for you so you know where the bayou is and where the front street is and where the college the units because it's a college town and it's actually the town where Steel Magnolias was filmed when I was a senior in college. So it, that is my setting, that town, which is called Natchitoches, Louisiana. I'm not calling it Natchitoches, Louisiana in the book because everybody would trip up on how that's spelled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every single go, wait, how do you pronounce that? Yeah. 
So I'm calling it Cypress Bayou. My Cypress Bayou books will all come out in 2022. And then I've got a, a Low Country Beach book that comes out as well. All right. You know what to get um, your friends for Christmas now. You can start with Alabama, go to Louisiana, and then head to the beach. So yeah. this is fun, fun. Well, did anybody? It, 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 yes. Just fun. I was curious. What What do you start with? Your character, the setting, the backstory? And different books, it's different. I'm, I'm really into kind of developing my characters. You know, every character's backstory or background affects how they respond to things and how they behave as an adult. You think about that thing when you were a kid. I had acne when I was a kid. Not horrendous, and nobody probably even remembers it, but to me it was bad. It shaped, like I wouldn't go out in public without makeup, do these things. You grow up and you get over some of that, but some of it you never get over. Some of it you always have a little bit of you know, insecurity about, and people have different kinds of hair, they have different, all the things, somebody's parents divorced when they were in middle school, and it was the one thing that changed their life forever, and they never quite respond to people and things the same as they did when they were younger. And that, that's so interesting, that is like dealing with the past, maybe none of those things happened individually to you, but something probably happened. And I have friends. You. Yes, exactly. Friends that I know that I look and I think that's a great character without actually making it obvious, you know, that that was my character. They become kind of a universal mm -hmm. representation of that. That's really, that's exciting. And it's really, it's great that you can make it fun in, especially in the Alabama series. And then I also am really looking forward to checking out the, the little bit darker. But so there is a little bit of a sexiness to those Alabama to, well, books. Well, the right? first cup. First couple, the first three, there, there's a little sex in them, but it's mostly kind of close the door and turn down yeah, the light. Right. It's not a real kissing um, and then waking mm -hmm. up. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's a lot that leads up to it. I have very few sex scenes, and it is chemistry and sparking off each other and causes people to anticipate that so much. You know? you're, you're leaving your reader wanting more instead right. of, oh, they're doing it again. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's fun. The next book is out soon. My first one is out. It's May. 18th. Oh, okay. Which okay. is the beach book comes out first. Oh, and then fine. there's a novella okay. that I've signed on to do with another group and an anthology. And that comes out like just days before or after that. And then the 31st is the first Bayou book, the first Louisiana Bayou book. So go to Susan Sands author page. It's easy to find. Make your Christmas orders because she's got a lot coming up. I have one last question. Mm -hmm. When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would think I'd be a lot more committed than I am. Um, I, you know, I have my, I think I get up, I feed the dog, I have my breakfast, and then I start. And then I write until I get hungry. And then I have my lunch. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I'm not an eight-hour-a-day writer. I might have two writing sessions a day. One in the morning and then one before my husband gets home and I have to go mm -hmm. cook dinner. Which <laughs> I do. I cook dinner almost every night. He's a lucky guy. He is. <laughs> I noticed that as we got farther into the interview, I started sounding more and more Southern. So I, always. <laughs> yeah. It's always. But, well, we thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you very much. I it's been great. You. I really appreciate you all having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. We welcome your comments and invite you to check out our Wild Women Who Write website. Until next time, Keep writing and stay wild.